Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Van. With me today is one of my best friends, Donovan McMullen. He's back to talk about Chapter 1, Part 2. Don, how you doing, my bro? Good. How about yourself, Dan? I'm doing great. So last week we left off with uh, Geralt just basically, well, we don't know his name's Geralt yet. They haven't said his name. They just have called him Witcher and Stranger and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so now we're starting off in chapter one, part two, and, uh, yeah, here we go. I'm going to start it off. Summary, Velorad, Castellan of, of Vigim, Wysim, I don't know how to say it, but we'll, we'll I'll interchange it. Scratched, <laughs> <laughs> scratched his chin. He was neither superstitious nor faint hearted but he did not relish the thought of being alone with the white-haired man. The, this governor of Vigim tells the guards to leave before making his introduction to the Witcher. He implies that he knows the Witcher's powers, but still doesn't show weakness as he gives the, the stranger a chance to speak before casting him to the dungeons to await execution for killing three people. Because, yeah, he just killed three people and the guards led him to this guy. In the, in the last chapter... That's I how it, it ended. It was I hilarious. love it. It's yeah. They're like, "Hey, I'll come with you. I'll come with you." All right. They're like, "Are you sure?" Like these guys are like, like pissing themselves. They're so scared of this dude. And he's like, "All right, I'll come to you. You got to take me to your your person in charge." They do, and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" All right, to the dungeon. Yep. He's like, "Okay, before I cast you to the mo fucking dungeon, dog, you, you, uh, you're a witcher, right?" So then. The Rivian, this is from the book. The Rivian unbuttoned his jerkin and pulled out a wad of white goat leather. Oh, this isn't, he doesn't explain that he's a witcher yet. Um, but pulls out a wad of white goat leather. You nail this to the crossways in taverns, he said quietly. Is what's written here true? So he's got like a parcel that's that he's found in the tavern. Basically, um, a job, you know, like, hey, we need someone for this. So Veloran explains that the note is a proclamation from King Foltest that was written on, and what was written on it was true, but that a proclamation is a proclamation in law is law. <laughs> and he takes care of the law and order and regime. He cannot allow people to be murdered. <laughs> so the Rivian remains quiet, but nods in understanding, to which Velorad, with split feelings, explores his options some more before making his judgment call and asks if the stranger carries the witcher's emblem. The white-haired man pulls the wolf-headed symbol from his jerkin as proof, and satisfied at this, Velorand asks the man's name. So now we finally get to know who the main character is. The witcher says his name is Geralt, and Vel uh, Velorand correctly guesses that he is uh, Rivian based on his accent. Man, these Rivians, dude. They got a giveaway of an accent. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, for real. For real, it must be like the most terrible thing. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I think the the guy who's um, narrating this, uh, he's doing a really good job, and he does a really good job of making Geralt's accent different from everybody else's. Like everybody else kind of has like a British accent, and then he's got like a Scottish accent. Yeah, yeah, but more of an American Scottish accent. It's crazy. It's it's its own thing. But like, it can't be. I don't know. I can't imagine American accent would just piss everybody off to the point where they're just like, Oh, you're from Rivia. As soon as somebody talks and like, well, maybe uh, he's got a Texan guy. accent. He's like, Hey y'all. Yeah. 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 Hey, that, maybe it is that hey, yo, I just found this job in this tavern. Is this, is this what you wrote? Is this good? Can I get paid for this? And they're just like, Oh, shut up. Stop talking. Speaking, that may be true. Speaking of the payment, this is why he's bringing it up. So, the governor. Okay, so the I think they call they call um, Velorand. What's his name or what what's his title? His title is uh, Castellan, and I didn't know what that was. But basically, he's a governor. We kind of went over that last chapter. But um, the governor then tells Geralt to forget about the proclamation and scowls while adding the rumor of marrying the princess on top of the three thousand. Orin reward. So Orin is the currency in this world, or at least in this area. So Geralt says he's not interested in the girl. He just wants the 3,000. 
This comes as an obvious relief to Velerin, and he is now willing to open up to the Witcher. So this is this is from the book. This is what Velerin says to him. What times, sighed the Castellan. What foul times. Twenty years ago, who would have thought, even in a drunken stupor, that such a profession as a witcher would exist? Uh, and then it's then he says, uh, uh, it, um, what does he say? It, it, ten, <laughs> I can't say the word. Itinerant killers of Baskalis. Inter- what is that word? I don't know. I'd have to see it. I'd have to see it. How's it spelled? <laughs> it n e r a n t. Itinerant killers of basilisks, basilisks, traveling slayers of dragons and vodniks. Tell me, Geralt, are you allowed beer in your guild? Certainly. Velorad <laughs> clapped his hands together. Beer, he called, and sit closer, Geralt. What do I care? So he's basically being like, dude, twenty years ago. Who would have ever freaking thought a Witcher would have even existed or be needed? And now look at us. We're freaking, we got, what does he say? Um, now Witchers are walking around slaying dragons and Vodniks. And so now we got some name dropping of, of monsters left and right. And I think it's really cool because it's like most, uh, we'll get into a little bit later, but like most fantasy stories kind of focus on just a few of these like fantasy monsters. But this book, they just dull them out and in this particular part of chapter one they do it a lot yeah he says a lot of them too uh one of the things that always gets me though that's very odd is going back like they they obviously everybody hates the witcher yeah yet i have heard of zero other people killing these monsters if you'd so far in the book they've never been like oh you're a witcher well any knight can do what you do or he doesn't say like you know like how easy their job is just like uh, you kill monsters, but you are still a monster. Yeah. So, I mean, they're still like looked upon as bad, even though they kill the bad things that kill people. And it's kind of funny about that. I just, maybe it's because they just want to always get paid. There is a part later on in this uh, conversation that he has with Velorand that um, he says, you know, in the town next to us, there was a dragon and the townspeople all flogged it to death. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and they didn't say anything about it because they didn't think it was a big deal. But this, what they're dealing with here is a little different from that, and they couldn't just send townspeople at it, which is why the witchers need to be in round. So, um, (laughs) 3,000 peasants with clubs. Just go get that. Crazy DPS on that. So, um, now with the two comfortably sipping, or in Velorin's case, chugging on some cold brewskis, he admits to Geralt how crazy things have been getting around the land lately saying that people used to think that there were boogeymen in the woods and mountains, but it was really only wolves. But now, instead of wolves, it's Spriggan or or a kobold. You can't spit without hitting a werewolf or some vermin. And fairies and rasalkas snatch children from the villages, not to mention the diseases that they've never heard of before. The exasperated man resolves the topic by saying, It's not surprising, Geralt. That witches' services are in demand. So, you know, it used to basically he's saying like things used to be like dealable, like we could handle it, but now things are getting cray. So, that, I mean, that brings up a whole nother set of questions. Like, so 20 years ago, everything was all Gucci, and then all of a sudden these monsters started springing up. So, it's kind of interesting of what's going on in the world there. Yeah, Frodo threw in the ring and Most then. Of. Yeah, 20 years later, boom. At this point, this. <laughs> at this point, Velerin lays out the details of the situation of the situation at hand with some with a very juicy info dump. So this is when shit gets like, what? So here we go. During the reign of the last king, Madel, his son, Foltest, was just a prince and a very promising up and comer. Everyone knew he would make a great leader one day. Well, he did meet everyone's expectations and then got crowned, but his popularity was smeared when word got out that Foltest had impregnated his own sister, Ada. <laughs> That's like, uh, okay. King Foltest caused... Go. Game of Thrones. This is what yes. you all wanted. King Foltest caused more problems then by suggesting, suggesting that he wed his sister, which was bad because King Visimir of Norigrad wanted Foltest to marry his daughter, Delka. (laughs) 
to which Jesus. he declined with the help of his sister and his council. I believe Velarend was included in this council because he knows so much about it. Because if he would have flat out refused like he wanted to, uh, just by himself, Vizimir probably would have killed them all. So they basically were like, dude, you need to decline this in a nice way <laughs> so that we don't cause a freaking war between our two places. Uh, so now there's tension between the two kingdoms. But then Ada gives birth, and the baby girl was so horrendous that it caused a midwife to jump out the window to her death. The child and Ada both didn't survive the birth. Foltest knew that the common that common sense dictated that he should burn the bodies, but instead he placed Ada's body in a sarcophagus underneath the palace. Geralt says to uh, Velarad that one of the knowing ones should have been sent for. The knowing ones. And uh, the man says that about ten showed up seven years after the funeral when they started hearing screams from the tomb under the castle. Apparently, the baby girl had grown in the coffin and had really sharp teeth, becoming what they thought was a striga. So we got another monster, but this is the monster we're dealing with. The yeah, the see, striga. now, this is where it confuses the shit out of me because okay. they're like, in the book, they are like, correct on what it is. It is a striga. But no one knows how it's created until like it comes down to the end. You yeah. know what I mean? Like somebody knows how it was created, but there's so many guesses on how it was created. And that's what, like, it's like, have they heard of this before? Or are they just making it up as they go? Well, but how guess, do you get the creature right? My guess is, well, okay, so they know that this strig is coming out. Because th this actually, right where the conversation is taking place, is seven years after the strig has started coming out. And yeah. it comes out every full moon, and it eats people. Oh and my God! What is that? Once or twice a month? Twice a month? Maybe I don't. How many? T I thought a moon is one month, like a full moon. Possibly once a month. That's I think that, there might be. I think that's why they call it a month because it's like a moon, you know. Oh, ooh, oh. So what's one of the moon? What? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Does the moon have months? Uh. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Veloran continues by saying that after the word was out, Fulstead called many sorcerers and wizards to come and help. None of them were successful. Then some jester with a pointy hat told the king that it was a spell that made the striga. And if one person could just stay the entire night in the tomb with the monster, that the spell would break and his daughter would be a normal girl again. So now with hope, King Fulstead, or Foltest, I don't know why I'm saying Fulstead. Fulltest continued searching for help under the condition that whoever came must not kill the Striga. But now, seven more years have gone by. King Fulltest has abandoned the palace and built a new one to live in. No one has, has succeeded. <laughs> and the Striga gets fed every full moon by locals and all these volunteers that come to try to fix it. <laughs> So, so great. Like, you know what? Let's just pack our shit up and just move 300 feet that way. We build yep. a new house. Yeah, we got a new nice castle over here. And then, like, even Veloran's like, and it's quite nice. It's a nice palace. It's like, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yep. didn't deal with the freaking problem. So just spent more money on rebuilding a palace than trying to get this shit fixed. Yeah, so after hearing about that, Geralt uh, is taken aback that no one has broken the spell in so long. He's like, um, this should be baby stuff, dude. This is like... Witcher year one. Um, and Veloran admits that a few witchers had shown up, but after hearing about the conditions, left abruptly, which gave them points in Veloran's books. So he's basically like, yeah, once I told them that uh, we can't kill this thing, they just bounced. And that, that increased yeah. my uh, thoughts on how cool you witchers are. Like, yeah, you know that you're not going to kill this thing, so it's not even worth trying. So... We find out that that may may or may not be what happened, yep. and then also, I don't uh, see. This is the problem when you read ahead of what you're supposed to read. No, that's okay. Because it's interesting, but I don't remember if it's this chapter. But the theme kind of going forward with uh, Geralt is that he's kind of losing his edge. Yes, he's, he's not like this Superman that he used to be. He's still really kick ass. He just like now he gets hit, whereas before he wouldn't get hit. Yep. So, what what like, I see as Geralt in this whole thing so far is that he's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. He's even though they say he's not old, he seems like he's tired. He seems like he's 
Or he's just not into it. Maybe it's yeah. not as thrillful for him, and that's really what it is. Because it almost sounds like it can be something that he's either neglecting on his own or it's something that he can't fix. You know what I mean? Like, it could be either way. They don't really say what it is. They're just saying, like, oh, you get hit a lot more than you used to. Focus or something like that. So, uh, Velarand, uh recommends that Geralt just move on because they're all used to it by now. The fact that this... Striga is killing everybody once a month or killing a bunch of people. It's once a month. Yeah. Geralt says he'll go anyway. And Velorand attempts to dissuade him again, citing that he should not ask for gold up front and reminds him of the rumors that the girl who would be his wife, if he succeeds, but then reveals to Geralt that there was one more witcher that some wise men in the town gathered a bunch of money to pay the witcher just to kill the Striga and be done with it. The Witcher accepted, but after seeing what the Striga could do, he left town in the middle of the night. So that, so basically, he goes, "All right, so you're gonna go, right?" And and Geralt is like, "Yeah, I'm going anyway. I I don't care. This three dude is three k fucking Orin dog. Like this is Orin dude. I'm gonna be eating meat for a while after this." And uh, he's like, "All right, well, there was one more Witcher, and a bunch of the wise men in town." He's like, "Not." insinuating himself at all he's just saying a bunch of people gathered a bunch of money and the rumor is that they paid him just to kill the thing and that was gonna and the reason why that's such a big deal is because the king would have been super pissed would have chased him out of town not given him three thousand dollars but that's why these other men right, in town right, right, gave right. him money but the witcher didn't go right away he ended up um just kind of um casing the place at night um, and seeing what the Striga could do. And then once the Striga finally came out, he's like, uh, no, not dealing with that, and then left. So is told by Velarend. So Geralt caught on to Velarend's drift, being like, oh, you're talking about other payment. And he goes, hypothetically, Geralt starts asking, hypothetically, he's not, I mean, he's not saying anything. He's just saying, so hypothetically, how much did these wise men have to offer? Velarand, Velarand at this point lowballs him with a measly 800 Orin. <laughs> Geralt shakes yeah. his head in dismissal. Velarand quickly raises the rumored reward to 1,000 Orin. Geralt rebut, uh, rebuts this by explaining that the danger and complexity of the task was too much. And Velarand says uh, to Geralt that it's ridiculous that he would ever think that he could get the 3,000 Orin from the king because the creature is too dangerous. There's no way. You can't kill this thing. It's... It's always going to be around, or not, not that you can't kill it, you can't let it survive. And it's know? a pretty solid argument. Like, that's a pretty, like, like dude, so you think you're going to succeed and get right. the 3K? You're going to break the spell and kill it. Yeah, come He's on. Like, Homie, I get what you're saying, but it's been 14 years. Um, <laughs> this shit isn't going away unless you kill it. So he goes on to explain that every full moon, they tie criminals to the stake uh, and hope that the Striga eats them while everyone else hides at home. G-Man ends by saying that it's possible for him to have an accident at work and to have the 1,500 Orin ready for payment if it does. Velorin complains that it was only supposed to be 1,000, but the Witcher explains that if 1,000 wasn't enough for his predecessor, then this was obviously a bigger problem than he is implying. Velorin openly agrees and tells Geralt he will take him to the palace. The chapter ends with Velorin giving Geralt one last piece of advice to not mention a word of a potential accident at work to the king. So it was a, this was kind of a juicy chapter um, because there are so much details and yes. um, world building going on. It was really, it was really a great chapter. Um, so what did you think about this chapter? So I, I liked it because this is one of, again, this is where Netflix decided to take their story from this is actually one of the biggest ones that they have to sell i think this is like if it's eight episodes long this is six i want to say so this is big momentum for the for the series right the first season they did but uh i like this story because you can use the images that you whatever you want whether you create them or whether you use them from a comic book from the video game or from the series on netflix but really the the amount of depth that they talk about and of the situation and they show you like how smart he is how he he can handle some of the 
some of the dumb people. He knows yeah. how to get past them, and he knows how to handle some of the smart, conniving assholes, too. Like, he can work both sides. So, so you're saying that in the Netflix series they're showing that, or just in this No, in the so book. Far? In the book. Yeah. So, like, in you can only do so much with TV, with a yep. TV show. Right? And, and it's a different animal, but I like it. It's not bad by any means. It's just the book goes so much more in depth about the whole situation at the castle, the stories that are spun by each person. And then he has to clue in uh, what's real and what's not real or, or who's lying and what's like, who's not lying. And again, you will have another really big example of that later on in the book, but it's, it's, he's smarter than the reader. And I like that because then it keeps us surprised. Yeah. This is where, when I, when I was reading this the first time or listening to it, while I was driving and stuff, I had called you and said, dude, this reminds me of being a tech, you know, someone who goes and fixes something because a site will call in and they'll just say, oh, yeah, this is not working. And you're like, OK, um, yep. I'll show up. Doesn't and show work. Up, and, it, and it has nothing to do with what they claim is the situation. Right. It's actually because they were hiding something that they did earlier that caused yep. other things to yep. go wrong. So it's it's really cool to see that. Um, what you know, uh, Andre Sapkowski, uh, writing in a way that's like he knows that there's multiple layers to this, and Geralt has to go through each and every layer. And like you said, he can deal with smart people, he can deal with dumb people. When he's in the bar, he's very matter of fact. They don't listen, he kills them. When he's dealing with <laughs> this guy, the guy is insinuating like, yo, so there's other people in town that you know might have. There was a rumor, you know that. Might have, and he outplayed him. He yep. went from 800 to 1,500. He outplayed yep. him. So now we know Geralt's low end, 1,500. So now we know how much we can pay him to get him to do a job. So I got some points here of discussion that I wanted to bring up from the chapter. So okay. when, when Veloran lets his guard down after Geralt explains that he has no interest in the reward of the princess to be his wife and only wants the money, he kind of speaks his mind about... Um, he he kind of speaks his mind on how nobody would have thought even 20 years ago that a witcher would be a profession. So what does that mean? Are witchers like a new thing? It should be. Yes. So witchers were just created specifically in this time period. So is Geralt only 20 years old? No, but maybe. Oh, like you can make a witcher from an existing person. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So So basically what 30, what what we do know, right. What we do know is that they take a boy Right, usually orphaned, because any good story is about an orphan. Gotta have um, it. Yeah, no parents, like Batman. Anyway, um, so he, they took him as a boy, and then they mutated him. And again, this is even in the book, it does go into this because he talks about it a little bit. Um, but basically, the mutations allow him to. It's almost like they poisoned him. I want to. I think that's yeah. what they say in the book is that they poison him over and over and over and over and over again, and then eventually he his genes mutate and then he's able to like drink that potion that they've been poisoning him with. And that's what gives him the super abilities, like the even more pronounced super abilities. Okay. So I, I, it is a mutation. I do know that, but like, yeah, we're not supposed to know. I don't know how long they've been making witchers, how many witchers there are. I assume they're like Mandalorians. Are where they all there's boys? Only one, one out at a time. Yeah. Only, only boys can be witchers. I, I okay. do remember him saying that in the book as well. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, with like the trope of um, orphans and stuff like that, it, it's a yeah. very common one. But when you do a trope well, you just forgive it instantly. Like, I know <laughs> yeah. that orphan is a trope, but every story that I enjoy that has like a mother, a, a parentless uh, upbringing, I like them. Like, it's like, I, there's something there, Spider-Man. dude. I mean, I know it's a trope. I know it's been done a thousand times, but I, this one's different. Not Uncle Ben. No. Yeah. Yep, all your favorite superheroes have dead parents. Sorry, kids. So here's another uh, point to bring up. Politics of the world. So we get a taste of it with the issue of um, Foltest not marrying Delka of Novigrad or Novigrad or Novi... I don't know how it is, Novigrad. But Geralt is never in the middle of the issues. He just deals with pieces of it. But the outside politics give us a bigger picture of the world without 
drowning the reader in it. So a lot of times when you have these info dumps, especially political ones, like you'd see in Game of Thrones or something like that, you're right in the thick of it. So you're just like, you have to deal with it. In this situation, Geralt's showing up and saying, I have a job. You can see on this white, you know, lamb leather or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yep. I want to do this job. Give me the details. What are the deets? And he's like, okay, here are the deets. And then you learn through the details. It's not, it, he simply could have said, um, Fulstad's uh, sister died, but the baby turned into a monster and now we need to take it out. That's all he had to say. But he said the whole story about how, um, both side uh, full test was, yeah, full test was a prince. And his dad was the king, and they name him, and they're like, um, once he became crowned uh, or coronated, you know, then we found out that he banged his sister, got her pregnant, (laughs) and it's like, holy shit, right there in the the own kingdom, that's its its own political stuff. But there was another king from Novigrad, uh, King uh, Vizimir, who wanted his daughter Delka to be married by full test. And Foltest didn't want to because he loved his sister. So now we ran into an issue where we potentially could have a war on our hands. And it's like, that's all interesting on its own, but I'm glad it's off to the side because it allows us to take that in and kind of know the tensions of the the place that we're at without actually having to deal with these guys. You know what I mean? Well, but the, the flip to that, though, is that I think he has the, the biggest amount of pull in pol- politics because when he uses his morals to do each job, because he can choose. He right. has like four different jobs now to get rid of the Strigo. One is to break the spell. One is to kill it. Yep. We'll find out later that one is to do something else. Um, and that's the thing is he had, he had basically has three options. He has three options. And I don't want to spoil the third one yet. Um, but we get to see what he chooses. And by choosing one of those options is kind of how the kingdom is left. So if it weren't for him, if he doesn't resolve this, can anybody resolve it? That's the question too. Like, because again, we don't know how many witchers there are. And do they want it resolved? Because like, uh, right. Like, um, right. Uh, what's his name? Vel, Velarad. He even says like, we, we tie thieves to the stake so that, um, this, this thing can eat them. This Striga can eat them. And uh, Geralt makes mention, he's like, oh, that's that's probably a good, um, you know. Method like, to get rid of Yeah, a good method to get rid of your your thieves or whatever. How How's that going? And he's going, it doesn't work. Like, they're still thieves. Like, I think that's yeah. how I read it. It's like, nah, they're, they're still thieves out there. But at least we have something to feed to the Striga without feeling bad. Right. Okay. So um, I also have another piece here that I want to bring up. The little details. There, there's been no, oh, this is from the book. There's been no lack of fools racing to the palace for a chance of joining the royal family. Two apprentice, apprentice shoemakers, this is, this is um, Velarad talking to Geralt. Two apprentice, apprentice shoemakers to be precise. Why are shoemakers so foolish, Geralt? I love this because it adds more to the local worldview and in in the type of person that's in regime. So it's, it's the type just of person a, that makes shoes. It's a, it's a, um, no, it's a, Cobbler. it's just a small little piece that you don't even hear mention of again. But now we know that people in like common speak, just in the same way that they say Rivians are all thieves. Everybody knows that shoemakers are all stupid. They're all foolish. Yes, yeah. Everybody, yeah. Why are shoemakers so foolish, dude? And I like that. Cause it's so weird. And but hilarious at the same time. Cause yeah. there's no way it can offend anybody except no. for maybe cobbler so like i just imagine in a bar someone else calling someone a shoemaker what are you yeah. being a shoemaker yeah. right now and it's like <laughs> i just like that that little detail is just a little sprinkle of stuff that adds to the world so we're gonna move on to places of note bring out the map bring it out <laughs> bring it over and i sent it to you bro i see it all right now i gotta turn off some of these images here so we can See the whole thing. Take that out. Take that out. Take that out. Boom. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Tamaria. It's part of King Foltest's controlled land, along with Pontar and Mahakam. So if we scroll, if you zoom in, I know there's I a see lot Tamaria. of freaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see Tamaria. So you got Tamaria right in kind of the middle of the map. And this is this yeah, is north of, of Sintra. So we are in Vajim, and on this on this map is called Wizima. 
and I think that's how they, I don't know how they say it in Polish, but that's like the proper name of it. But anyway, this is where we're at in the story right here. And um, King Foltest, he actually owns or is like the ruler of Tamaria, Mahakam, which is that mountain area, and a place called Pontar. Pontar isn't like really visible super on the map, but there's a river called the Pontar River. And I think what they mean by Pontar is just this area right here. So like Houtborg and Reed and Lavette and Doradal, which are, you know, it's in the middle of the map. And so basically from the coast, if you look on the coast, there's a port town or port kingdom called Novigrad. So that's where King Vizimir is. So now you can kind of see uh, King Vizimir wanted uh, the the king of um, Vajim to marry his daughter and that it would have taken like, I don't know, a couple weeks ride on horses to get there and all that crap. So we got those places. The, the world is getting bigger. We are seeing what's going on. But what's cool about this is if I zoom out, man, that's a small part of the map. That's a small part of the map. All right, so now we've got um, people of note, people that came up in the chapter. Uh, Velarad, he's a, a castellan or governor of Vajim, pretty self-confident but still slightly intimidated by Geralt. We got Foltest, the king of Tamaria, Pontar, and Mahakam, writer of the proclamation Geralt found nailed in a local tavern that offers a reward of 3,000 Orin to save his sister. We got uh, Medel. He's the old king of Tamaria, uh, Foltest and Ada's father. We've got Ada, sister to the king, to King Foltest, and the one that got busy with him so many years ago, 14 to be exact. We got Vizimir, the king of Nov- Novigrad, and we got Dalka, uh, daughter of Vizimir, her hand in marriage was offered by her dad to Foltest, but was denied, causing issues between the two kingdoms. And then we also got this last one, which I think was kind of interesting. The Knowing Ones. They are traditional wizard types. Velarad calls them charlatans with stars on their hats. So these are like actual I wizards. I love that. <laughs> are these like I actual absolutely. wizards of the world yeah, or are yeah. they fake? Yeah. No, actual wizards, but they're... <laughs> charlatans so, with stars on their hat yeah so, that's... so they're not like very looked highly upon but but Geralt is not a wizard or is he no he he has he has the small magic okay right so, like some of these basically some of these wizards are actually uh like no joke like they could kick the crap out of Geralt like okay. he can't he can't fight them because they're so strong but those would be like a few of them, and they're probably gonna hide the fact that they're that strong. But the of the other one, it'd be like, yeah, probably like magicians, the equivalency of like someone that's pretending to be a wizard among the ranks of people that are actually wizards. I really like that because you know, in like fantasy stories and stuff, you you have wizards, you have knights, you have very specific character types. Yeah, and in this world, we already have two different types of magic users. And one of them isn't really highly looked upon. <laughs> right, right. It, it's just, it's really cool to like, which to, to have the framing of a wizard, which we all are like, dude, it's a wizard, man. Now be looked at like a piece of crap. Just a charlatan with stars on their hats. I love it. Uh, and Geralt, yeah, like, go ahead. Example, example is uh, uh spoiler alert here. If anybody hasn't seen the Netflix series, I have this not. Is, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler, not really so much of a storyline, but one of the wizard's abilities is uh, apparently if you knock his sword out of his hand, he can just make a new one appear in his hilt and then All draw right. it again. So like and an so astral like, projection or something of a sword. Yeah, essentially, essentially. And it's a pretty cool, It's I did like how they did it, but it, what annoyed me is that like a bungee cord on the end of his sword would have been better, apparently, because he got his sword disarmed a lot. <laughs> Just so he could use that ability, I think. Yeah, yeah. He 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 should have just put a, a a wee bracelet on, you know. Yep, yep. So my point is, is like that's how he was fighting the whole time, and it was like, oh, cool. But does he do anything else? Nope. Just pulls a sword, dude. He's really good at sword pulling, my man. If you know yep. what I'm saying. <laughs> Geralt says to Veloran that 
that one of the knowing ones should have been sent after the princess Ada's death. So I like that he's got, um, this is again, going back to Geralt being a technician, being like, um, you should have done this. You should have called the geek squad or whatever, you know, you should have called whoever first. And, but now I'm here. So curses and magic stuff. And they must know a little bit because they're, I mean, after seven years, and the screaming started, and um, the word got out that there's a striga, a bunch of these wizards, the knowing ones. And I like that they're not just tri- called wizards right out, but they have like a title in the world. The knowing well, they're ones. also they're also uh, like appointed the kings, mm. and so they're like each wizard or each knowing one would be like the right hand man of a king, telling okay. him what to do. So that's why okay. he probably just like some of these people would look down on them because they're really high positions in the kingdom. Like this guy is probably, obviously he's not the king, right? So they're like on the town council. Right. This guy's, this guy's like, like probably disdains the king, probably runs a lot of the soldiers and he's just like, Oh, our king's a fucking a-hole. But you know what? You know what? Like we just want his daughter dead. Just kill the damn daughter. We want this done with. He thinks it can be saved. It can't. So it's lose lose for you, so you might as well take our money and go do it. Yeah, I like that. Cause he's just a governor yeah. of a local town that you know, he's in the kingdom of full test, but yeah. he's like hey, And man. one of the wise guys gets paid ten times more than he does and just goes around going, Yeah, you should do this to the king. Yeah. So they're just a it's just an a hole with stars on his hat. Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on to objects of note. Witcher's emblem. Geralt always carries this on his person. It's a medallion on a silver chain, the face of which shows the head of a wolf bearing fangs. Uh, this is proof enough to Velarad that he is an actual witcher. So this is like a, like a, what is it? Essentially, it's like a badge? Like a police badge? It's an emblem. Yeah, essentially it's like a badge, a police emblem. It's the, it's the equivalency of having the chick on your mud flaps on a semi truck. Okay. It's like, it's like oh, when he whips that he out, he's trucker. like, oh, yeah, he's he a, a trucker. trucker. 100%. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Or, or going back to that, he's like Rivian, right? Yep. He's like, all right, are you even a witcher? And then he lifts up his shirt and he's got like a big old, everything's bigger in Texas belt buckle. And he's That's like, right. yeah, you're a Rivian. Yeah, you're a witcher. Hell yeah. But it seems like he's in this, in this chapter, um, He's reluctant to Velarad's reluctant to talk to Geralt until he proves, yeah, I'm a Witcher, dude. I got the freaking emblem right here, man. And then he's like, okay, I'm gonna, all right, let's get some beer. Uh, let's start talking. You know? Are you even like a rich person's kid? And then he holds up his arm, and there's like nine Coachella bracelets, and he's like, all right, let's go get in here. It's like we're homies now. Yeah. And then uh, the next object of note is Oren, O R E N. It's the currency in Temeria and its other territories. So we can assume. How that. much does it weigh? Don't know, my man. Wow. Don't what know kind of yet. Don't, Don't know, know yet. yet. Yeah. We, we will find it. I want to find out how much one Orn weighs. Probably not too much because if you can carry 3,000 in a bag. I don't know, though. I mean, you probably beat I mean, somebody have, up at that point. Even bag. if you had pennies, 3,000 pennies 3, is a lot of freaking pennies, pennies dude. That's what I mean, yeah. Maybe they come in uh most their dime size. Maybe you can say it's like here, here's three thousand orin, but it's actually like three bricks of gold or something. And then you right, just you just right, shave right, off right. pieces of the gold to pay for shit. I don't know. Or you just use like hundred dollar orins. <laughs> that hondo <laughs> that hondo stick. All right, we got some magic and spells in this chapter, even though it didn't seem like it. We actually only had one. The Curse of the Striga is what I called it. It seems like the baby girl who was turned into a Striga Striga was because of a spell, which Geralt believes can be broken. Velarad thinks it's because the king lay with his sister and nothing more. So we don't know if it's actually a spell. But if other witchers have shown up, other knowing ones have shown up, and they... And they're all kind of saying, yeah, it's a spell and you can break it by doing this, this kind of uh, ritual of staying in there all night with it. Then that makes me believe it is a spell. Same, because I think at one point he even goes, oh, nobody's broken it yet. Not right. Nobody's gone in there and killed her yet, because yeah. I think like that's how he would be, because he is very blatant 
Yeah, very uh, blunt. About if something, yeah, if something was going to work or not. Like if somebody wants something and he's like, no, that doesn't work that way. Because he knows about all this magic stuff. So I would imagine he says, I'm pretty sure he's killed Strigas before. He's dealt with Strigas, yeah. I think is what he says. And so this it's one of those things that he different. would know. Yeah. I think it's different just because it's had 14 years to brood. You know what I mean? Like it's it's been eating people yeah. for 14 years. No problem. Size of LeBron. Yep. All <laughs> right. Moving on to flora and fauna, we have mention of wolves, and also the emblem has a wolf on it, so we know there's wolves in this world. I know that sounds dumb, but there's mentions of it being uh, of wolves being in the woods and mountains of Mahakam. So that's just on the east side of the kingdom that they're currently in. Now we're going to move on to an exciting part where we talk about the bestiary. Holy cow, was there Lots. a lot? So I made it, I made a collage. I made a collage. I made a beautiful collage. Not to scale. Not necessarily to scale. Um, No, it is not to scale. So let's go over all the creatures we talked about in this chapter. Starting off with the basilisk. Uh, Let's move in here. So I got a basilisk hanging up on top of this. I got a picture. So this picture is brought to you by me. I took this picture when I went to Hogwarts in LA <laughs> and I thought it was, it was uh, very suitable for this collage that I made because uh, you know it's a castle so we got a basilisk so basilisk crocodile. <laughs> they have bird like beaks webbed wings hooked talons and crimson jowls uh, basilisks choose dark and damp places like caves and abandoned canal branches to dwell in so that's a basilisk just kind of looks like a little dragon uh, rooster or something, you know, little lizard rooster with its red jowls, little gobbler on there. Dragons. They mentioned dragons in this one about how the, the locals of another township just beat one to death. <laughs> so then I was thinking like dragons, are they just, are they basically thinking of a dragon, like a Komodo dragon? Is that uh, what they beat to no, death? No, no. Cause or they got it? green, they got green, gold, black dragons. Oh, they shit. do. Um, yeah. Chromatic yep. and metallic dragons in this motherfucker. Yes. yes. Holy cow, dude. I'm going to yeah. have to bust out the D&D books, man. Kind of like cloud serpents, but they're not. Yeah, because there's so many different types of dragons. That is awesome. So dragons, four-legged reptiles with bat-like wings, forked tongues, narrow triangular head, and long yep. slender necks. They can breathe bat-like various wings. substances. That's so, yeah. the best way to say it. They're just bat-like winged dragons. All right, moving on to Vodnik's. The little frogman over here. Vodniks, creatures of the night who appear on the banks of ponds, lakes, and rivers. They usually attack in large groups. They like to feed on young women who bathe in rivers. So do I. Um, interesting thing about Vodnik. <laughs> um, feed on? Are you going to go with that? We're just going to let that one ride just out. Just letting okay. that one slide, dog. Um, all right, all right. Vodnik. So I read another book called Perdido Street Station, which is done by a... Uh, or written by an author named China Mieville. And in his book, it's like a kind of like a futuristic fantasy where it's kind of steampunky and stuff. And um, they, he has a, a creature in there or a race called the Vaginoi or uh, uh, Vaginoi. Yeah. And it was like a frog like person that had like an old man's face or not an old man's face, but like an old man beard. And they like to hang out in like water. So every time you're in the market and you saw a Vaginoi, he's just chilling in like a hot tub. You know what I mean? And I thought, oh, wow, that's such a unique race. I've never seen like a frog person ever done before. And I was like really impressed by that. And then when I saw Vodnik, I'm like, dude, that sounds kind of like Vaginoi. So I looked it up on Wikipedia and Vodnik is Vaginoi. And it's uh, it's like a Czech thing. Like it's an old Czech monster, mythical monster thing. So yeah. Uh, China Mieza, he didn't lose points with me, but it was, uh, I was like, oh, dude, that's cool. You can just put that in there. Um, yeah, I don't ever, I've never seen this creature before in a book besides the Perdido Street Station. And um, so it's cool that they actually have these kind of races in here. So that's the Vodniks. I had books when I was a kid that had Mr. Toad. Well, okay. Name. Yeah, Mr. Toad and what was it? The I other feel you. Uncle I Barry or something. I feel you. Mr. Toad and Steve or something. I do remember those. <laughs> yeah. Dad <laughs> um, and his new best friend. <laughs> yep. All right. Moving on to kobolds, my bro. 
Kobolds, small humanoids with dog-shaped faces that dwell in wild forests and various types of underground caverns, no taller than a human child. So that's cool. Creepy. That's pretty common. Uh, Spriggins. Uh, never heard of a Spriggin before. Spriggin. They got a Are bunch like of these. tree creatures They're or like forest creatures? Kind of. They're grotesquely ugly. Typically found Oof. in ruins or guarding treasure. But yeah, they're kind of like, you know, they're in trees and stuff. And this is the part when um, when uh, Mr. V was telling G-Man, yo, in the woods, we used to think it was just wolves. Or we used to, we knew it was wolves, but now it's actually freaking Spriggins and Kobolds, my man. And it's like, yeah, so that makes sense that a Spriggan would crop out of the trees or whatever. So there's that. And then we got the Rasulka. Rasulkas are cool. Um, Rasulka, more commonly known as nymphs, they are exclusively female and sometimes kidnap human girls to transform into their children snatchers, basically. Um, cool. So uh, that's interesting to me because all these names, Spriggins, Rasulka, uh, Vodniks and stuff, these are all monster names I never heard of before. They just name drop them in this book as if we're supposed to know. And I kind of like that because it, it makes you want to go out and do your own research and be like, okay, what the heck is a Spriggan? And then and again, this it, is the first in the series. It's not like this book is dropped out in the middle of the series and it's like, okay, now that we know what all those monsters yeah. are, now let's get to this story. No, you're right. It's just like, yeah, duh, these exist. Yeah. Everybody knows that. It's I, I really enjoy that. And then once you look up a Rasulka and then a lot of these um, monsters that are in here that you don't that you're not familiar with their names actually do come from like mythology of other uh, of other parts of the world, specifically like the Czech side of the world and Poland and that kind of thing. So it's cool to see someone else's like scary monsters rather than what we always see, which are kind of like the British yeah. and American ones, which are like vampires, werewolves, that kind of thing. Well, same, same as like um, kind of getting into some of the fairy tales later in the book as well. Yeah. Some of the same fairy tales that we know, but with a different twist to it. So moving on to fairy tales, let's take a look at the fairy. So up in the sky, I got this fairy here. And I chose this picture because uh, fairies also snatch children. But I mean, I don't know if they actually have wings, but I like the idea of kind of like fae kind. Um, rather than just having a fairy being a little pixie, you know, like Tinkerbell or something. I like the idea yeah. that fairies are actually kind of scary, that they steal kids. Um, they're probably badass. They're probably small, but they're, I imagine them like little tricksters, like Puck. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, like little demons with wings yes. is what I would imagine. And so yeah. having that kind of a fairy in a world makes it a little more um, cool. It makes it like darker, a little bit like these aren't your – like uh, there's a new Netflix series or I don't know if it's on um, – Hulu or one of the other ones where uh, what's the guy who was Legolas from uh, Orlando Bloom, Orlando Bloom's in it. And it's like, it takes place in like a steam Orlando Perry, (laughs) Orlando Bloom. Did I say Perry? No, no, it is blue, but I said Perry. Okay. Okay. So Orlando Bloom's in it with like fairies and stuff. Did you see that? No, it looked like it was like, um, it looked like it was like 1800s England and everyone's wearing their like bowler hats and stuff, but there's like it's all grungy and stuff. But there's fairies in it, and they're Pirates like, of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I like I like that darker style of fairy rather than just being like a oh, it's gonna grant me a wish. Okay, moving on. <laughs> we got werewolves, people. Werewolves are people who transform into wolves or half wolves. They are hardly hurt by steel, but are vulnerable to silver. Pretty typical werewolf for us there. We all know and love them. And lastly, the Striga. This this thing. I mean, I don't know if this is an accurate picture, but I googled Striga Witcher PNG online, and this is what showed up. What the heck is this thing? Well, let me tell you. The Striga is, of this story lives in the tomb below the abandoned palace and devours roughly 50 people a year only coming out during a full moon now now that's what we know about it right now but i think there's a really good description in the book when you actually do get to see it okay spoiler alert we get to see it and it is uh the way and i think that's the gonna be the best way because i the way that the author describes it i think it's gonna be the closest way of what it should actually look like more so than 
how did somebody render it for a game? How did somebody right. render it for a comic book? How did somebody render it for a TV show? And again, not to take away from any of those, but he does a pretty good description of it. Cool. So that that is going to do it for this chapter summary and review. Um, yeah, that was a heck of a chapter, dude. It was kind of a big boy. It took me a while to read it because I kept on researching everything. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I don't have any questions for um, Andre this week besides how do you keep track of all this stuff? If this was your first story of this, like, did you have a document with all these characters and monsters in mind? Like, it's crazy how much stuff he puts in there. And all the little things, the little details. I love it. Where he puts in that shoemakers are stupid. Shoemakers are and, idiots. <laughs> and the wizards are all freaking thieves, dude. I And I know that'll probably come up later. And if it doesn't, it's just sprinkled in there so we know that's how people think without them having to say it. It's, it's wonderful. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, you guys want to check out this uh, podcast, you can check it out on Apple, uh, Google Play Podcast. Uh, check us out on YouTube, uh, basically any place where you want to listen to a podcast. You can also leave a, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us about questions about this story. Um, you can either send me an email, rbcpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message if you want. I got that technology working. You go to the YouTube page and there's a link to it there. But um, yeah, Don, thanks for joining me. Do you have anything that you want to promote this week? Uh, not for myself, but my brother's music. If you want to check any of that out. That's awesome. Yes, definitely. Uh, Ben, your brother has some awesome music and we're going to link it in the description below. And I think that's awesome that, um, even though you don't have anything to promote for yourself, that you want to promote your bro and his music is rad. And it actually, a lot of it, there's this, he's got an album. Um, Oh, what? I can't remember the name of it. The Trek, right? Trek, 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 Trek. newest ones, Ribbon Rock. Yep. Uh, that, that particular album is really good to read while you're listening to this. Cause it's, it's got the similar kind of vibes going on and, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining me, Don. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, we'll see you guys next week and thank you for listening to random book club podcast. <laughs>